BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. Heading into what is now this historic season, the fate of the 76ers very much rested in the hands of their young franchise cornerstones, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And that hasn't changed just because there's been a four-month stoppage in play. I believe we have a great chance of winning this championship. I'm feeling better than I was when I started the season. I want to represent the city. I don't want to let my teammates down. I've been working since I had the injury to be prepared for whatever happens wherever we go. I don't want to let anybody down, and I've been working too hard for this. I just got to keep pushing. We do a deep dive on the all-star duo and what Embiid and Simmons need to be in order for the Sixers to contend. Plus, the team has arrived in Orlando. We'll check in on how things have gone the first few days. I'm excited to play. I'm excited to go to war with my teammates. I'm Lauren Rosen. I'm Devon Givens. I'm Brian Seltzer, and this is the broadcast from the 76ers Podcast Network. Let the bubble life begin for the 76ers. We are not here in our hazmat suits or anything like that. But we are here to talk about more 76ers basketball as preparations for the restart of the 2019-20 season begin in earnest. Guys, how are you? I am doing well. Thanks, Celts. Feeling great, Celts. Hope you're doing well. How could we not be? I mean, there's a lot of reasons how we could not be doing well right now. But the good news is, is that things continue to progress towards NBA basketball. The 76ers are in Orlando, Florida. They left last Thursday. And while, yes, we're going to talk about Joel Embiid in terms of basketball and Ben Simmons in terms of basketball, what their partnership means for the ultimate success of the 76ers for the rest of this year, that was quite the look for the big man, right? (laughs) Getting on the team plane in a full-on hazmat suit. You know, to me, all that matters is that they were all wearing masks. They're all being safe. And if you want to take the safety to the next level, hey, can't fault you for it. It was perfect. It was typical Joel Indeed. I loved every minute of it. And I don't know how it snuck by all of us thinking about this beforehand, but it was perfect. I'm going to ask you guys to weigh in. This might be the most important take that you give on this podcast ever. 
the phantom of the process or the process in the hazmat suit? I like the process in the hazmat suit. I, I thought the other one was clever, the, the phantom of the process, but I like the, the hazmat suit, it, right? Because for me personally, I believe it also just simply stems from some, maybe some, some backlash that was out there a little bit during the week as well. And it's just typical on brand. Joel Embiid, he stays quiet throughout this, this entire time. And now when they're ready to board the plane and he says a few things during the week and now he shows up in a full hazmat suit. <laughs> to me, it's a tie. Phantom of the process was just so timely. Um, but this this a little bit, maybe a little bit more subtle, um, something a little less dramatic, just, just, you know, an understated hazmat suit from Joel Embiid. Um, I'm cool with both. I guess I shouldn't be surprised that we'll be using a Tyvek suit as the jumping off point for our discussion for this episode of the podcast as we start a deep dive into Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and what they mean separately and together for the Sixers title chances this year. A little bit later on, Lauren, Devon, and I will be giving our other impressions on interesting things we heard in recent days about subplots concerning the 76ers, and we'll each chime in on a storyline we've heard from elsewhere around the rest of the NBA for teams involved inside the bubble in Orlando. But, guys, I think that the conversation, as it did back in September, before September, I mean, you could make the case that this conversation started the morning after or the moment after Game 7 of the Eastern Conference semifinals last year, what the 76ers would ultimately do in 2019-2020 would come down to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and their next steps. And, you know, Seltz, what was good for me to hear this week was how much they're planning on relying on each other. They both took time to discuss how important the other one will be to their own success. And I think that shows a lot of um, not necessarily selflessness, but willing to cooperate. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing, especially in such unknown territory like this. There's no way to know what uh, what they can expect, but it's cool to see that they can expect and rely on one another. Um, and I think it'll be huge to see them both healthy. That's, that's the biggest thing for me. We all got to do the same thing just to help each other because at the end of the day, it's all about winning a championship. And I feel like, uh, he has the right mindset. That's what he wants to do. I know one thing about him. He, he wants to win, and he's going to do what it takes to win. I guess I should really even step back a bit. Is, is it fair for me, Devon, to impose the power of my pulpit to make that declaration that this season is about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? I mean, of course, there are other storylines that are that are massive to the Sixers and the supporting cast and the help they get. But is it fair for me to make a statement like that, to, to put such of an onus ultimately on the end result on those two? Absolutely. It really starts and at the end finishes with those two and what they do both collectively and individually. And as Lauren pointed out, it was great to hear them uh, just share each other's name and speaking about how uh, in order for them to have the success that you're speaking of, that it basically relies on one helping the other and leaning more this way to make sure that something happens uh, a certain way for Embiid, where Simmons can also point out what he might need to do to help uh, lend a hand to Joel Embiid also. So you're you're 100% correct to make that that point that they are the ones that are the driving force for the success of this team in the Orlando bubble. The start of the season was so long ago. It really was. I mean, it's crazy. It's like really we were starting 
to to get ready for the start of this season uh, like nine or ten months ago, and here we are now. Um, and, and I think for me it really helped a lot to see Joel go out and play the way he did in that game against the Pistons right before the season was suspended. And that sounds totally foolish and ridiculous to say now that it's four months after the fact. But I think for me it was really good and reassuring to see a performance like that He's been open. He was open throughout the season before it was put on pause about some of the ups and downs he had and how he was ultimately trying to position himself to be at his peak in the playoffs. But I thought it was really good to see Joel launch into, despite it being against everyone's wishes, the hiatus on that note against the Pistons and a couple good games. He had the career game, the 49-point game against the Atlanta Hawks as well. Lauren, what were your impressions of where we were with Joel Embiid when last we saw him on a basketball court? How would you recap his season up to that point? We know that Joel Embiid likes to use the word dominate when he talks about how he feels when he's at his best. He wants to dominate. He wants to be a dominant player. And we hear him talk about it, but in a game like like against Detroit, in a game like against the Clippers before the All-Star break, we got to see him really walk the walk when it comes to being dominant, to dominating. And that's something he talked about this week as well. I was on that path to just get back to what I was doing last year, which uh, dominated everybody. And unfortunately, the season got shut down. I know what I have to do. Just got to keep the same mindset and, uh, you know, try to go for that championship. We saw flashes of it this year, but it was also nice to hear him say that he doesn't feel like he tapped into that enough and that he plans to tap into that mindset right away when he gets to Orlando. And, and luckily, even though we never really got to dissect that Detroit game, he did end on a high note. He was dominant, and hopefully he'll carry that through as soon as they touch down in Orlando. And I love the walk-the-walk walk part of it. Just go out there and do it. And, you know, we've been hearing about this for many years, and the individual accolades have come along with it with the all-NBA teams, the all-defensive teams, the all-star appearances, and, and all. And what the 76ers really need is a, a great performance from Joel Embiid in the postseason. And for him to have this time off, seeing that performance against the Detroit Pistons, that was the lasting moment that he had. Not a bad one, a very good one. It came in a win, and it, and it came against a, a team, listen, that had a, a very young player, former 76er Christian Wood, that had a nice game. And he, he, wanted, he wanted to make sure, I'm sure, that he wanted to show up and let them know, even despite him having a nice game, that that was his house and that was his floor, that was his team. He was protecting their house and he did just that. So uh, something for them to go off of, something for him to look back on and check out that film, that time that Ben Simmons was out and Embiid had to really carry things uh, for the offense, along with Shake Milton, Tobias Harris and, and supporting cast. But it was important for him to have that performance against the Detroit Pistons and now get ready for this bubble. Make sure he went into the off-season uh, suspension, <laughs> I mean, suspended season, uh, with the right approach. And so far, it seems like he has. And if he can just follow up with that once they get things started in Orlando, that just serves well for the, the entire team. I'm Joel Embiid. Like, I want the ball. I want to I wanna be able to be put in a situation where, you know, I can help the team achieve the ultimate goal, which is to win the championship. We got a great chance. I, I do believe it. You know, if I want to be able to help, uh, you know, I got to I gotta do my job. For as much as Joel can joke around and troll, whether on social media or through Tyvek suits and things like that, I thought that his media availability last week was pretty 
straightforward, transparent, honest. He spoke frankly about his feelings about returning to play and natural concerns that anyone would have given the current climate of what's going on in the world. But I loved his comments when he said things like, I don't want to let my teammates down. I play in a city that's tough. I want to be tough. This is my opportunity. I don't want to let teammates down. I've worked too hard for this. I think we have a realistic shot at the championship. I love that stuff. And of course, going back to the start of this conversation, you want to see it backed up with words. But D, when you hear Joel saying that he's got to dominate, and the other word he used was, or phrase he used was being assertive, what does that mean to you? Does that immediately mean being on the block and living down there, not taking as many threes? What do you think it means, um, maybe not even necessarily to Joel, but in your mind, when you think of an assertive and dominant Joel Embiid, what does that mean to you? Dictating the entire flow of the game because he has that ability to do so as a two-way player, one of the best in the league, and one of the best certainly as a big man to dominate on the low block but still go on the other end and prevent the other team from scoring, making it very difficult for them to get in the paint and think twice about a float or a layup or a dunk attempt when he is down there. Getting the other team in foul trouble when he is on the low block and being that dominant self that you and Lauren are speaking of. So for me, the dominance overall comes from him being that way physically on both ends, but also mentally locked in to be that person that he is speaking of, the one that we have seen, the career high against the Atlanta Hawks, the Detroit Piston game, my favorite game selves that you know of, that Los Angeles Laker game a few years ago in Staples Center, where I still believe that was his best game, his best performance overall on the road and, and doing what he did in that particular game, 40 plus, and of course, double digit rebounds and blocking the shots as well. So that's dominance to me, both ends of the floor, being the, the best big man in the game and also mentally just locked in overall where they, the opposition is just simply afraid to come near him. Yeah, Devon, I love what you said about the defensive end. I think we know what Joel can do offensively. And if it's possible to even say this, I think sometimes he doesn't get enough credit for how good he can be on defense. It feels like when he's on the floor, the other team has to entirely adjust what they're doing, especially close to the basket. So as much as we can get him uh, to lead this defensive group, the better off the Sixers will be. Um, he also said in his media availability that he feels like the Sixers are the best defensive team in the league. And you love to see that bullish attitude when it comes to the defensive end of the floor where this team said they were going to make their money all year long. Um, so hopefully we'll see what exactly what you're saying, a, a presence on both ends of the floor. But the defensive end has been such a focus for this team all year long. And, and I love the fact that they're doubling down on how good they can be on the defensive end. So in journalism and broadcasting school, they tell you to prepare a script and an outline, but don't necessarily stick to it. On my script and outline, my next items were Ben Simmons, and then we talk about him and Joel together. But we're going to circle back on Ben because I think what you were just talking about, Lauren, and also you, Devon, segues into this notion of Ben and Joel together. We know on the defensive end of the court, the 76ers, when last we saw them, whatever iteration that was, that can be a really high-level championship-caliber defense. Offense, this is something that Brett Brown has talked about and Joel has talked about and Ben has talked about, is where the team feels like there is more work that needs to be done, where more of an evolution needs to take place. And a lot of that comes down to spacing and figuring out how to make some of these parts work together. And I buy, Devon, what some of the players and Brett 
have been talking about within the last week or two that after, right around the All-Star break with that Clippers game at home and then after that when everyone was healthy, I think we were, were, seeing, we were seeing some things that showed change and new ideas for how different pieces of the offense could fit. But I'm really curious to see now how they might restart with that and pick back up when the games begin. Yeah, and I think, I think a lot of that has to do with, of course, the health of Simmons and how he's now in, in the offense when, his ball, when the ball is not in his hands. And it might be in Shake Milton's hands or Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, the screener role. Uh, where is he? Is he is he the screener? And now he's rolling to the basket where he's able to make decisions for his teammates or for himself. And that's where the curiosity for me comes into play as, as they're all speaking about figuring things out during this time, watching all the film and understanding where they can right the wrongs from the losses during the season and, and pick up these things to make them into a positive. Uh, that's really the focus for me, the spacing, of course, but also just figuring out where Simmons is now in there overall for, for what he needs to do with, when the ball is not in his hands. I'm with you. I love the way that uh, Ben and Coach Brown have been vocal about the fact that we're going to see Ben off ball a little bit more when we come back, maybe opening up some opportunities for Shake to be a primary handler the way he saw him, the way we saw him uh, on that California trip and in that stretch before the hiatus. Um, but I completely agree. The two of them together uh, and healthy, again, I know we keep saying it, but we didn't see the two of them healthy together that much this season. So it's going to be such a treat uh, sort of to see them at their highest potential or at their healthiest, maybe that we've seen all year and maybe that we've seen their entire careers together. We're going to get to our things that we found interesting that we heard from this past week segment in a moment. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting that Brett Brown said about a week and a half ago was he mentioned, and I don't want to misquote him, and if I am, Lauren or Devon, jump in here and tell me if I am. He, he mentioned Ben and Joel in the same pick-and-roll productivity breath as Stockton and Malone as far as the potential for Ben and Joel in screen-setting scenarios I was like, well, that's interesting because we just we just haven't seen a lot of that. I don't know. I thought I thought they did have success with that. I do think back to the Clippers game a lot, um, but there was some success with those actions before the season went on pause. And a lot of it, of course, is the pick and pop of, of possibility as well for Ben Simmons, uh, making sure that pocket pass for Embiid right around that mid-range elbow area for him to knock down a seven fifteen to seventeen footer. A lot like Stockton Malone used to do so often, uh, another wrinkle to it. And, of course, the, the fact that they can roll, have Joel roll to the basket under control and, and get a, a layup, a dunk, free throw attempts as well, uh, certainly something that uh, one of the better point guards in the league and one of the best big men in the league can, can do out there on the floor to cause defenses some fits. And as you guys mentioned earlier on, it definitely seems like there is – goal alignment and mutual understanding between Joel and Ben about what needs to happen moving forward for the Sixers to be as successful as they could be. So now let's maybe shift this conversation a bit towards Ben specifically. And as far as how he's going to be deployed when the Sixers get back on the court, the one thing, Lauren, that seemed to keep coming up in his media availability was, and this was him saying it, his IQ on the court, that 
he wasn't entirely concerned about how he's going to be used or what the coaching staff asks of him. He feels like he has enough of a basketball IQ to make plays. Absolutely. I think it was interesting to hear other players talk about that with Ben too, maybe players that hadn't spent a lot of time with him before this season. I believe it was Alec Burks who expressed how surprised he was with how quickly Ben can make decisions, how quickly he can find people, um, almost the the knee-jerk reactions that he has a little bit ahead of everybody else on the court. So I think Ben recognizing it, being able to capitalize it, and his teammates trusting to make trusting him to make those decisions rather is is a really special thing. And I like in this case, I really like the fact that they're going to have eight seeding games before they have to head into the postseason because we have to remember guys like Ali Burks, like Glenn Robinson, really haven't gotten to play with Ben Simmons due to Ben's injury, and they're joining the team at the trade deadline. So I think those first eight games are going to be huge when it comes to chemistry and when it comes to letting Ben sort of get to know these other teammates that he might be feeding uh, when the playoffs come around. I feel like I have a very high IQ on the court um, and see things a lot differently. I'm able to pass the ball very well, so that's always a threat. But I, I love playing in that pick and roll uh, situation or pick and pop, whatever it is. Uh, it just gives us so many different options. Um, it's tough to guard. The defensive end, of course, is where Simmons was making such a mark before the season came to a stop and before he got hurt. The ESPN forecast for the Defensive Player of the Year results, no votes for Ben Simmons. But I think, Devon, that that's like, if you're the Sixers, especially looking in the Eastern Conference, I mean, he has shown that within reason, relative to what some of the best players and wing scorers in the East can do, Ben has shown that he can take on some of those guys. Yes, he has. He's actually been doing it for the last two seasons, and he's finally getting the recognition, not for the Defensive Player of the Year, but he is getting the recognition around the league and, of course, locally for what he's been doing on the defensive end of the floor, whether it is disrupting the passes, making it difficult for the initiator to start the offense, uh, getting those steals, those inbound passes that he steals and, and, and starts to break the other way. He's just been phenomenal. And that stuff will come. That stuff will definitely come. If he does it another year, I'm sure he'll, he'll get those, that recognition there, get those accolades. And if he does, in fact, make the all-NBA team defensively, that'll be something for them to certainly walk into next season where those national people really pay attention to it. But his defense is going to be key during this time in Orlando because he's going to be on one of the better wing scorers for the opposition. So uh, it well-deserved attention now. Should have gotten at least a vote or two for defensive player of the year, but that time will come. I would agree with that. Sometimes you have to establish yourself first before you get those votes, like the All-Star situation. I think, to me, the biggest takeaway, probably, arguably, from his talk with reporters on Zoom last week was him saying that he's 100% and that he's at a place now where, in his mind, was even stronger than the season than where he was when the season started. I think the fact that he says he's healthier than he was when the season started is huge. And he's had a great season up until the point of the injury. To me, he was having his best season to date, leading the league in steals. I agree with you guys. He should have gotten a little bit more attention when it comes to defensive player of the year because he was so good on that end of the floor. Um, I think back immediately to the win over Indiana um, when he was able to completely take over the game on the defensive end and make it a win for the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he was as active as he was at the beginning of the year and now he's even better, I mean, I think, I think the ceiling is really high for Ben. Plus we saw the photos. It, it really does look like he's 
put on some muscle. And, and he talked about that in his media availability as well, that he's really been able to focus on his body. And while the season's going, it is hard for, for guys like Ben to maintain that extra muscle that he's put on now. So it'll be cool to see how he comes in a stronger version of something that was already pretty special this season. Pilates and weightlifting, Ben Simmons, just like us. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, a worthy deep dive topic. But now we're going to get into some other stuff that caught our attention over the last week. Devon, Lauren, and I will get into that next. But first, I want to talk to you about NovaCare. In this time of social distancing, NovaCare Rehabilitation is offering physical therapy from the comfort and safety of your home through their new tele-rehab program. NovaCare will virtually bring their services to you so you heal, build strength, and get back to the things you love. Telerehab lets you easily connect with one of NovaCare's licensed therapists through web-based technology that's HIPAA compliant. For more information, visit NovaCare.com. And it was awesome to see that the 76ers and NovaCare partnered together to hand out 10,000 masks to local residents in the Philadelphia and Camden areas this past week. Good stuff, trying to provide support during difficult times. Okay, Devon and Lauren, let's get into some of the more nitty-gritty details of what we heard this past week, hearing from a bunch of players on Zoom. Devon, we will start with you. Well, what stood out to me was something Al Horford said. Just looking back, how much were physical issues impacting you, and what is your health like right now? You know, I, I probably wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, you know, I'm not going to make excuses, um, but... Um, Right now, I'm in a, I'm in a much better place. Um, the time off for me was beneficial. And getting to work now, um, the biggest challenge for us with the season coming back is doing everything at game intensity and then a quick transition to games. For me, it's really making sure that I continue to, you know, to make strides and, and that I'm at my best, more specifically when the playoffs are ready to go. Yes. Pointing out that he probably wasn't where he wanted to be in terms of his health. And Lauren spoke about Ben Simmons feeling the same way about his. And Joel B speaking about where he is now physically and how good he feels. Very interested in that comment because of the first season of the veteran free agent pickup, of course, the big free agent pickup of the offseason. And how it didn't necessarily work out uh, the way that I'm sure he wanted to uh, with this team. We know uh, the Clipper game heading into the All-Star break. Shake Milton in the starting lineup. Al Horford to the bench to help uh, back up Joel Embiid and lead that second unit. And we'll see where it goes from, from, from here and from now on. Uh, but when Ben Simmons went down, Al Horford back in the starting lineup. So if he is, in fact, healthy and the way that they wanted to use Al Horford with the personnel that they have, with that starting unit, or even still remaining coming off the bench, that health is, is important from, from Al Horford and what he can bring to this team as a veteran who has won it in, in the playoffs for many years, going into the Eastern Conference Finals for many years. He understands and has the experience of playing in the postseason and how to adapt and sacrifice for the team. But first and foremost, his health has to be right. So I thought that really stood out. 
his message to me, Devon, when I was listening to him was loud and clear. It's not about August 1st when the Sixers play the Indiana Pacers. It is about August 17th or thereabouts when the Sixers start the first round of the playoffs. He also talked about the style of play that he feels not only suits him but the team best. It's when things are moving, the ball is swinging around, and his assist numbers were really good. Granted, he was playing in the absence of Joel Embiid right before the hiatus. Overall, his numbers were pretty good, so hopefully that's something positive that Horford can build upon when things restart. All right, Lauren, what'd you hear? For me, the biggest quote of the week might have come from Josh Richardson. I think that we need to keep the focus on what's important, and that's the the social climate right now and, and that the inequalities that have been, been happening for African Americans for so long that it needs to be spoken about. We're going there to play basketball, we're going to work, but at the same time, we're all thinking of ways that we can speak up and help. And a lot of the other guys echoed what Josh had to say, uh, sharing similar sentiments about the fact that this restart isn't just about basketball. There's obviously a ton going on in the world and a ton going on that's really important to these guys who are authorities on on what they care about and on creating positive change. Um, So I was heartened to hear how important it is to them that their messages um, don't end marching in the streets of Philadelphia against racial injustice, but are going to continue on the court for a national audience. I think it's really special um, that so many players in the league have been so vocal. It's look, they're, they're called upon to be basketball players and they've taken the initiative to speak up because they have this platform and they're using it in a way that maybe they didn't expect they were going to have to when they started their NBA careers, but it's been really special to see them all speak up for what they believe in and and it's heartening to see the league say that they're going to match the players where they are uh, they came out with a list of initiatives that they are going to be um, carrying out when they get to Orlando so I think as it stands right now it looks like um, the widespread injustice that's going on around the country is going to be a focal point for sorry not even just around the country around the world it's going to be a focal point um, with alongside let's say the basketball um, that's going to be taking place in just a few weeks. So again, what Josh said, I thought was spot on. I think the fact that all the other players sort of echoed what Josh had to say is really special. And Josh did nod to the fact that the team is is preparing or might be preparing something of their own um, to sort of make a statement together. So we'll have to tune in and wait and see what they've come up with. But if the way they've spoken in the last few weeks is any indication, it's going to be something really special. Well put. It's been really nice seeing how the entire league is handling this as we've seen some of the first images and glimpses from Orlando emerge. For me, I'm going to go to young Shake Milton, who was one of the focal points of the 76ers before the season went on suspension. He obviously was putting up some insane numbers, not the least of which was that game against the L.A. Clippers. But I loved his take when he was asked about how he sees himself factoring into the 76ers, which will be fully healthy when they get back on the court for games in a few weeks. I really don't know about X Factor. I mean, that, that might be both that you guys can use or, or whatever like that. I'm just going to try to go out there and be me, play the game I know how to play, you know, whatever happens, happens. Shake is going to be a key to the Sixers, guys. I really do think so. And listen, I think um, it's kind of, you know, one of those job opportunities when they say it's it's the most that you make of it. I'm not sure if the Sixers going back to the beginning of real training camp in October would have thought that Shake could have been in position to be 
quite as influential as maybe he could be in a perfect world at this stage of the game in the season. But, look, this is an opportunity where he has to roll with it. And if he continues to do what he did before the hiatus and um, he proves uh, functional and level-headed and even-keeled in the high-pressure moments of the playoffs, that's only going to help the Sixers and let certain players, Ben Simmons notwithstanding, do what they can do and do some more. I think I'll add that it was really cool to hear Ben be so complimentary of Shake in his own media availability and to give that stamp of approval and say, Shake has worked really hard. Shake is really impressive. Shake is an important part of this team was special to hear because I think it means that they're going to be able to work together in a really interesting way that perhaps we haven't seen before. And it has to mean a lot for Shake to hear that come from his, his teammates, especially all-star teammates saying those things, uh, recognizing what he did during the time that Ben was off when other guys were on the floor. And he was a focal point for a lot of team scouting reports uh, when he was starting for the 76ers after that 39-point outburst against the LA Clippers on that Sunday afternoon. So it has to feel good for him knowing that they feel confident in him now being, even as a second-year player, just being on the floor, being with them, and he belongs there. Good stuff. And those were some of the news and nuggets that caught our ears this past week. Before we say sayonara for this edition of the broadcast, we will go around the rest of the NBA and look in on what's going on with a few other teams. Lauren, why don't you get us going? Well, I expressed to you guys last week how fascinated I am by the landscape of the Western Conference, especially towards the end. Um, I think the young Memphis Grizzlies are really exciting and it'll be interesting to see them fend off some teams that have some stars that have been around for a lot longer. When you look at a Damian Lillard, when you look at um, the Pelicans who have some veterans, including former Sixer JJ Redick, who has never missed a playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see this young Grizzlies team try to fend off some superstars. Um, I'm really excited to see them try to hold down the fort and and no matter what, whatever happens down in those, let's see, seven through uh, 13 seeds right now in the West will be interesting. Obviously, it's a shame to see some injuries and some players not joining, but I don't think that that changes the fact that it's going to be a really exciting and crowded field. Um, I don't know if we'll see uh, what could turn into a play-in opportunity. I know that the league is setting up that as a possibility. That's not something we've seen before, and it'll be cool to see them experiment with a play-in tournament or a play-in game um, in the way that they've sort of teased they would like to in future seasons. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think between the Grizzlies, the Trailblazers, the Pelicans, even the Kings, there's a lot of talent in the West, um, and it'll be interesting to see them battle it out in those first eight games that might not be quite as contentious uh, when it comes to the seeding in the Eastern Conference. Well, Lord, I have to follow with what's going on with the Brooklyn Nets. They have no DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, Wilson Chandler all out. And that was, of course, when we already knew no Kyrie Irving, no Kevin Durant. Now you get Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley. What is going on with the Brooklyn Nets in the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference? Now, look, I still believe that they'll make it some pride, of course, with a team like that, uh, peeping them out. They are going to look at a situation with an interim coach, right, who's still trying to prove something there right now where they want to still make the postseason, make a little bit of noise and not feel like we are just here just for the trip to Disney World, although they really 
probably won't get on the rides and stuff. But it, so I, I think that that's going to be an interesting. It's already an interesting storyline with everything that is taking place with the Brooklyn Nets. And now you bring in Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley. Uh, a lot of people will be paying attention to the Eastern Conference back in seven seed to see what happens between the Nets and the Magic. But certainly some names that are very familiar and veterans, Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley. There's also, of course, guys that race to get inside the top four between the Miami Heat, the Indiana Pacers, and your team, your town, your Philadelphia 76ers. The Indiana Pacers, that is the team that I was paying attention to this past week. Tough news for them. No Victor Oladipo. He had a great game right before the hiatus. It looked like he was kind of rounding back into form. Only played 13 games this year, but he's going to be with the team but not play in Orlando. There's also the Malcolm Brogdon situation, him testing positive for COVID, and that means maybe someone like an Aaron Holiday or Edmund Sumner could be getting minutes in the backcourt, mm. which is a lot different than if your backcourt has Victor Oladipo and Malcolm Brogdon, and you are one spot ahead of the 76ers in the standings. And you're the first team the Sixers play, so the Sixers even more so have an opportunity to start to climb right off the bat when they get going on August 1st. Yeah, you almost can't ignore Celts the way that the Sixers have kind of caught a break. Uh, obviously, you don't want to see anyone get hurt, but to not have to face Victor Oladipo and then to not have to face Bradley Beal in those first couple games, hopefully will give them an opportunity to get a couple quick wins on their record. That's right. Gain a little momentum going into those seeding games and certainly into the postseason. We're just about at the buzzer. Final thoughts from anyone? Devon, you got anything? I'm, I'm just excited to see how this all goes. I already have my, my pre-packaged peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, my snacks, my drink boxes. I'm ready to go. I feel you. I'm so excited. I honestly did not really think we were going to see the day where the Sixers were going to board a plane and the plane was going to take off and it was going to go somewhere that we would be able to watch basketball. So obviously keeping fingers crossed and prayers up for everybody to stay healthy out there so we can really see this come to fruition. But it's going to be exciting and and hopefully the – People will agree with us. Awesome. From now until the start of the postseason, the goal is going to be to come out with new episodes every Monday. But this next week coming up, I'll be coming off a little bit of a vacation. So we're going to shoot to do it on Tuesday. So look for a new episode of the broadcast in your feed on Tuesday. We went through the likes of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in detail in this edition. I think the next time around we'll start to peel some more layers off the rotation for the 76ers and what that could look like or what they're looking to find out once games start up again in a few weeks. Lauren, thank you very much. Thank you, Sels. Devon, thank you very much. As always, thank you guys. And thanks everyone out there for listening. We'll talk to you next time here on the broadcast. See ya. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 